it's good to be here. All right, you guys are awake. It's an hour earlier. We have a giant um, rocket ship heater in the back of the room. It's making it nice and warm in here. Let me ask you a couple questions. Here's how we're going to start off. What's the first thing you think of when I say the word grudge? Not the grudge, not the movie, okay? If you're thinking about the movie, we got an excellent prayer team. They will anoint you with oil in the back of the service. Okay, that's for you. Okay, here's question number two, a little exercise. On the count of three, I want you to think of someone you're holding a grudge against. One, two, three, go. (laughs) Do Do you got it? You got it in your mind? Okay, if they're in the room, if they're sitting next to you, don't make eye contact, okay? Just leave it at that for now. And for some of us here, that exercise, that was probably the easiest exercise you've ever done at church. You knew instantly who you had a grudge against. Some of us are experts. Sometimes a grudge can be lighthearted. It can be competitive. It can be uh, a sports grudge. But there's also grudges that are not so lighthearted. They're heavy-hearted. You know, many of us here, we've experienced things in our lives. We have wounds. Sometimes those wounds are on the people we love, like our children. And so we hold grudges in the people who've hurt us, towards the people who've, who've hurt us. Some of these things that have been said and done to us, I know it feels like it would be impossible to move beyond. I know it feels like it would be impossible to forgive with some of the things that have happened to us. And we have these grudges. We have this brokenness, this, this need for reconciliation. For some of us, it's because maybe long ago there was a family member that said something hurtful to us. Maybe we were younger and we're still carrying that with us. Maybe our grudge is because somebody lied to you and you trusted them? Maybe someone betrayed you, and then they made it feel like it was your fault? Maybe someone who should have stayed in your life left? Maybe someone should have been there to protect you and defend you, and they left you exposed? And for most of us, we hold one of these kinds of pains in our life, one of these wounds, We keep them. We hold on to them. Today we're going to look at what God's Word says about our grudges and how we can deal with them. And here's my ask. Can we make a choice together right now that we're going to explore, we're going to listen, we're going to consider what does God have to say? What does Jesus have to say about this, about our grudges, about reconciliation, about forgiveness? And then each of us will have the opportunity for ourselves to decide if we can step into that. If we can step into what Jesus had to say about forgiveness and reconciliation. And I know, like I said, this might sound impossible. All I'm asking is for you to agree to explore this with us today. So if there's a more free way to live, I want to find it. I want to find it for all of us. We're going to start by reading what Jesus had to say. And as Leslie mentioned, we're spending the whole year looking at what Jesus said, because we've realized that if you and I, someday when this is all said and done, we come to the very ends of our lives and we're standing before Jesus, 
We want to make sure that we didn't miss the things he said. Like, oh yeah, there's this Bible, it's very vast. But do we know what Jesus actually said? Do we know what Jesus actually would desire from us? Are we becoming the people he's asking us to be? That's the most important question. We're spending a year exploring it. And so we're going to read from the book of Matthew. Matthew was a friend of Jesus. He was with him. He wrote down the things Jesus said. I like to think of this book as one of the biographies of Jesus. And so we're going to look at what Matthew recorded Jesus saying. And again, Jesus was speaking this to his disciples then and his disciples now. Here's what Jesus had to say. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, Jesus is speaking to a group of people here. He's speaking to a group of people that decided to follow him. Kind of like many of us today. Like, yes, I believe Jesus was who he claimed to be, the son of God, God in the flesh, God that came to earth to show us how to follow him back to heaven. People who would all agree and say, that's the Jesus I believe in. That's who he was speaking to. And he was speaking to this group and contrasting his followers versus the religious people of the day. The legalistic religious people of the day weren't the followers of Jesus. They were full of religion. And Jesus actually came to shut down religion and offer freedom. And so he's contracting. Here's what the legalistic religious people do, but here's what I want you to do. And they're not the same. These other people he was speaking of, they were known, they were a real group. They were called the Pharisees. And here's some of the contrast Jesus was speaking towards in the book of Matthew. The Pharisees would focus on words, not deeds. So what they say, not what they do. They would focus on the externals, not the internals, the things I know about. They would focus on self rather than others, and they would focus on their purpose and not God's purpose. You see, Jesus was saying a God-honoring life, it doesn't just do things outwardly in a spiritual way. It does things in an authentic Jesus way, which starts inward and then flows out of us. This verse, this command of Jesus is saying, there's an outward way of worship, offering what you have to God. But God doesn't just want what you have. He wants who you are. Sometimes we come to church and we think, oh, the church just wants my money. It's so much worse than that. (laughs) Jesus just doesn't want what you have. He actually wants who you are. He wants all of you, starting with your heart. He doesn't just want what you have. He wants who you are. Yes, he's saying in the scripture, bring your worship, you're bringing your worship to the altar, okay, where we worship God. So yeah, bring your worship. We just worshiped through some music. Did you worship? You worshiped. You worshiped. Everybody else didn't. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But that's a real question for us to consider because we could sing songs, but you could do that at any Irish pub. Like, you could sing songs or... If your heart's in it, you could worship the living God. 
And we're gonna have one more opportunity at the end of this message to worship God through music. So yes, bring your worship. Yes, bring your generosity. Like Leslie mentioned, bring your tithe. Bring your acts of service. But first, if your friend, if your brother or sister has something against you, go to them and try to reconcile. Before you bring what you have to offer God, deal with what's in here. Be authentic about it. It's not an outward thing, it's an inward thing. That's how Jesus wants us to begin our worship to him. The service is saying if you want to authentically worship God, deal with the unseen, inward things first. The real stuff that the people around you can't see. You know who sees it. You see it, and God sees it, and we can fool each other. We can fool ourselves sometimes. We're good at that. God is not fooled. The way of a Jesus life is a continual reflecting on what might really be going on inside of us. What is keeping us from being able to worship God? What keeps me standing there on the side of the room while everybody else is worshiping? What keeps me just mouthing my words to the song and not giving my heart over to Jesus. Those are the things Jesus is poking at here. It's a continual reflecting. I'm going to read from Psalms now. King David wrote this section. Explore me, O God, and know the real me. Dig deeply and discover who I am. Put me to the test and watch how I handle the strain. Examine to see if there's an evil bone in me and guide me down your path forever. Are you willing to do that? Can we step into that today? Can we expose our inner workings to God today? Have him search our hearts for the evil that is seen but also the evil that is unseen. Something I realized recently was that I actually was holding grudges that I didn't even know I had. I went to a meeting a couple weeks ago and I bumped into an old friend. I hadn't seen him in a couple years. And a while back, he had wounded me deeply. And when I saw him, unexpectedly, these feelings started to come back up. So you know what I did? Figured I'd be the bigger person, or, or you know, because we saw each other and it's kind of like one of those. Uh. <laughs> and so I walked over to him and I smacked the drink out of his hand. No, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. <laughs> I walked over to him and I reached out and I shook his hand and I invited him to coffee where I'll have several friends waiting to get even with him. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I walked over to him, and I shook his hand, and I invited him to coffee, where my hope is that we can reconcile. Because he hurt me, and I also hurt him, and I hope that we can reconcile. We haven't met yet. This isn't resolved, but we're going to meet soon. 
And if I love God and if he loves God, we can come together and we can work through our past and we can reconcile. Here's a thing about unforgiveness. You ready? It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. When you don't forgive, it doesn't hurt them. It only hurts you. You've heard this before. It's like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person. That's what, your unfor- that's what our unforgiveness is like in our bodies. It's eating away at our soul. It's like drinking poison. And it doesn't hurt them one bit. But forgiveness brings freedom. Here's some clarity. Forgiveness and reconciliation, they're not the same thing. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened because it did happen. Forgiveness is not pretending like it never happened. Forgiveness is canceling the debt of what someone owes you. That's what it is. It's when we cancel the debt. You no longer demand payment because of what they did. You no longer demand that that person is punished for what they've done to you. And you can do that without reconciling with them. Reconciliation's different. Reconciliation is a two-way street. Both parties have to be willing and working towards reconciliation. There's a conversation that took place. There's understanding. There's repentance. There's resolve. Both parties are then able to move forward. That's reconciliation, and it's different. You don't always get both. Sometimes you get both, but you don't always get both. And the truth may be that there's not an opportunity for you to reconcile with someone who's hurt you. Why? Here's one reason. It might be dangerous for you to go and have a conversation with the person who hurt you. In that case, you probably shouldn't do it. The person who hurt you may not be emotionally capable of having that level of conversation right now, and so it might be better not to. The person who hurt you, they may have passed away, so you're not able to go to them and reconcile. Those are all legitimate reasons why reconciliation may not be possible, but there is an opportunity for forgiveness. Here's a danger, a few dangers, of not pursuing forgiveness or even reconciliation. Here's one. Um, You're consumed by the offender. It takes up your time, not theirs. They live rent-free in your mind. You might be thinking about them right now. This is taking up your time, not theirs. You don't want that. We become consumed by them. Here's another reason why it's dangerous not to forgive. Because you're controlled by the offender. This painful situation, it can become a part of you. The wound can become a wall between you and your healing. They hurt you then, and years later, they're still hurting you now in your mind. If you're waiting to hear I'm sorry, before you can forgive, you're giving them all the power. If you're waiting to hear someone say, I'm sorry, before you can forgive them, it's like you're putting yourself into a prison, locking the door, and then handing them the key. Why should they be the only one who can let you out? 
That's crazy. You can find freedom even without them. We're controlled by our offender if we don't offer forgiveness. Also, you contradict what Jesus came to do and calls you to do. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And before I do, I want to say that I, I may not understand the level of pain that you've experienced and was caused by someone. I know that there are deep things in this room. There's deep wounds and deep pain that I may not understand. And it might, I, I want to make sure that I don't sound flippant in my, oh, just forgive. It's not that. It is a deep and ongoing and reoccurring work that Jesus speaks to. And I know it's there. And I know it's real. And I know it's available. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5, 19 in the voice version says. It is central to our good news. Okay, it's, it's, it's really important to our good news that Jesus forgave us, that God was in the anointed. The anointed is Jesus. It's saying God in the flesh upon this earth. This is really central to our faith. That God was in the anointed making things right between himself and the world. Jesus came to forgive our sin, to set us free, to reconcile God back to humanity. This means he does not hold their sins against them. God came to forgive us. But it also means he, he charges us to proclaim the message that heals and restores our broken relationship with God and each other. He's saying, Jesus forgave you, so you and me, so now we owe it to God to forgive other people. Because God forgave me, I owe it to God to forgive you. The religious way to follow the scripture would be to say, hey, this is really important. We've got to be restored to God and restored to each other, and that's easy to say. The Jesus way would be to live our lives as if this is actually true. The Jesus way would be to make this true by the way we live our lives. And I know that sounds perhaps impossible in some circumstances. It's going to take real work, real effort, perhaps uncomfortable conversations to find this kind of restoration and healing between ourselves and God first, also between ourselves and others, and then this is where it gets extreme, between them and God. Could you help provide healing between the person that hurt you and God? When you help people who've offended you or you've offended them to forgive, it actually helps restore their relationship with God. Here's one last one. When we hold on to an offense close off from spiritual and emotional growth. This first verse we read, Jesus was saying, if you don't reconcile with your brother or your sister, it's going to stand in the way of your worship. It's going to stand in the way of your relationship with God. You see, there is a very real spiritual cost to our unforgiveness. Are you willing to continue to pay the spiritual cost 
of unforgiveness, there's also an emotional cost and a physical cost, which many of us have experienced. But there's good news too. For us grudge holders and revenge seekers, we can learn to practice forgiveness. You see, in 2016, the American Psychological Association, they said, when forgiveness levels in our life rise, levels of stress come down. Reduced stress in turn leads to a decrease in mental health symptoms. I want that. (laughs) You may want that. I want to be healthy emotionally and mentally. And when I forgive, I become more healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. You ever had an ulcer before? It was caused by somebody else. I have. I want to be healthy. I want to be free. We can all practice. So, the unforgiveness, it's hurting us. But there's a better way. Here's what author, author Lisa Turker says. When you forgive, this is what you give up. When you forgive, this is what you give up. The right to demand that the one who hurt you pay you back or be made to suffer. We're giving that up. For what they've done and God will handle this. When you forgive, you're giving up the demand that the one who hurts you suffers for what they've done because God will handle that. Here's what you get. Freedom to move on. You deserve to stop suffering because of what other people have done to you. You may have people in your life and you might feel and you might, you might feel like they don't deserve forgiveness, but you deserve to stop suffering because of what they've done. You deserve to be set free. There's a Jesus way. It's a process. It's going to take time. It might be painful. And it might be a process that needs to become reoccurring in our life. For some of us, Maybe we can do a one-time forgiveness, but for some of us, every day we wake up, we might need to start that day with forgiving again because the pain creeps back in because it's that heavy. And we might need to practice daily re-forgiveness. These are the deep works of Jesus. So how can we do this? Here's a couple ways. Talk it out. Go to the place where transformation is possible. Talk to God. Talk to someone you trust. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a counselor. Maybe it's a professional therapist that would be helpful in navigating the situation. James 5.16 speaks to this. Here's what it says. Therefore, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Isn't that fascinating? When we confess our sins and pray for each other, We can find healing. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You might think, well, I'm not righteous, so my prayers don't matter. My friends certainly aren't righteous, so if they pray for me, it might not really matter. Do you know that you're right? (laughs) That you're not righteous, but it's Jesus who offers his righteousness to you and says, here you go. You want to be righteous? Confess your sin. Bam, you're righteous. You're ready. Your prayers can be powerful. You want your prayers to matter? You want God to hear them? You want God to respond and act on your behalf? 
confess your sin to a friend, receive forgiveness, find healing, and pray, and God will move. When we're healed, when we're healthy, when we have experienced forgiveness for our own offenses, we're more likely to be able to forgive other people. Here's another way. Take your step within your power. Romans 12, 18. I'm going to read it in two versions. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Here it is in the voice version. If it is within your power, make peace with all people. Is there something that you can do to create peace? Is there a physical thing you could actually do to help create peace in a situation in your life where there's not? Maybe you'll need to reach out to someone. Scary! Right? Like, I'm not doing that. That's, that's our first response. I'm not doing that. That's your choice. Each of us have the choice to read the scriptures and leave it at that or to read the scriptures and then take a step into obedience of them. Your choice my choice. Maybe you need to get your phone out, as weird or scary as this is, and send a text message to someone right now. And just say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And then you could talk later. Yeah. You, maybe, yeah, I see you got your phone out. <laughs> it's ready. Can we live our lives like the Bible's true? Can we live our lives like the things Jesus said he really meant for us? And it might be a little scary. Can we make something right that we have wronged? Can we repay maybe something that we owe? Then, on our side, let's choose to cancel the debt that is owed to us. Just like Jesus canceled our debt. Jesus canceled our sin debt. He said, you know what? You're free. You're forgiven. Can we now go and do that for other people? The ones who've hurt us. We hurt Jesus. It is our sin that put him on the cross and he forgave. Can we now forgive those who've offended us? We can make that choice today. We can do it. And it might be the most difficult thing we've ever done. And we might not know how. Maybe for some of us, it's just a baby step in that direction. You might say, you might be here and you might say, Luke, I can't do it. And I'm not here to judge that in you. I'm here to ask, can you take a half a step towards it? And tomorrow, maybe another. I don't claim to understand the pain that you've experienced. And it's probably deeper than I could ever imagine. I want to invite you with me and our church to take a half a step. Maybe it's just believing that forgiveness could be possible. There's something else author Lisa Turkhurst says. Forgiveness is both a decision and a process. You make the decision to forgive the facts of what happened, but then you must also walk through the process of forgiveness for the impact that those facts had on you. That's the heavy stuff. It's saying, yeah, it really happened. 
and I'm really dealing with it, and there's real consequences, and there's real pain. Then, choose to continue. Align our emotions and behaviors with the choice that we made to forgive. When we continue the way of Jesus, continue the process of forgiveness, continue to work through the real impacts that, the, that those things have had in our lives. There are some wounds that perhaps we've never dealt with. Maybe you're the kind of person who cares for everybody else. Maybe you've taken care of everybody else around you first, and the last person you've taken care of is yourself. I know there's a lot of caring people here, and it would be more natural for you to take care of everybody and maybe even neglect yourself at some level. But that can be dangerous. Because if we don't let God transform what's hurting us, eventually we'll transfer that hurt onto other people. And if you've ever been through recovery or been involved with a recovery ministry, you may have heard the phrase before, hurt people hurt people, yeah. Hurt people hurt people. It's a cycle. It's a chain. God, could today be the day where we break the cycle of hurting each other and hurting the ones we love. If your father treated you a certain way, maybe you're treating your kids that same way. Could you break the link in the chain for your children's future? Yes, you can. You can be the one to stop the cycle of hurt. God has more for us. He has a better and more free way to live. And I want to experience that. We want to remove the roadblocks that are standing between us and all that God has for us. I'm inviting you to take communion with me today. And around here, we serve open communion. Here's what that means. If you're here, you're welcome to participate. But first, can we pray the prayer of David? I want to invite you to stand with me and grab a communion element. You can just get that ready. And if you don't have one, you can just raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment to practice what we've just spoke about. Can we pray this prayer? Saying, God, search me. Look inside of me and point out the things that offend you. God, before we bring our worship, before we celebrate remembrance of all you've done for us, may we be forgiven and may we forgive others. So we're going to take a moment of silence in a second to ask God, God, is there someone that I need to forgive? Would you help us to take a step towards forgiveness today, Lord? God, is there someone we've offended, we've wronged? They're holding a grudge against us. Maybe there's something we can do to help them forgive us.
Would you give us the courage to ask for forgiveness? Maybe it's to write a letter today or to send a text message or to go have a conversation. Jesus, we want to be forgiven by you. Would you help us to forgive others? Help us not to just know about the ways of Jesus, God. Help us to live them. Show us in ourselves now, Lord. Where have we offended you? What are the wrongs in our life that need to be corrected? We confess. Please forgive us of our sins for the things we have done and the things we have left undone. And may we know that we are forgiven and we are free and we celebrate that now. We remember our forgiveness through the act of Holy Communion. I want to invite you to take the bread out. The night before Jesus was crucified, he was having dinner with his friends. He took some bread and he broke it. Let's break the bread together. He passed it to his friends and he said, this, it's a representation of my body. It's about to be broken for you. Let's take the bread and remember Jesus together. You can open the cup. He then took the cup and he passed it out to his friends. He said, this cup, this represents my blood, which will be poured out for the forgiveness of sin. It is a new covenant between God and man. As we drink this cup together, let us drink the forgiveness of God upon ourselves. Jesus, we remember you. And we remember that you sacrificed for us. And when we didn't deserve it the most, you forgave us. In turn, God, empower us to now forgive each other. I ask in the name of Jesus, amen.